going on, FN Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS Podcast. I am Dan Malin, and I am joined, as always, by our FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. Matt, we are coming off the Daytona 500. William Byron gets the win, and it wouldn't be a uh, Daytona 500 win in, I guess, uh, the 21st century without some controversy. Uh, we're, we're rarely ever going to see another Daytona 500 end with just like, everybody crossing the finish line after lap 200. But what were your thoughts on the race? I thought it was a fascinating strategy. I don't know if I like the fuel saving part or not. I thought it kept a lot of people in the race longer. I did like the uh, Fox breakout of the three different like pit groups that were chasing each other around the track, kind of like watching um, – I don't know, like the mass event uh, cycling, <laughs> like in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, right. I, I thought it was pretty fun. I can understand the drivers want, you know, Denny on his pod said, you know, I didn't just show up to kind of coast around and then wreck out with 10 to go. I kind of get that. Um, you don't necessarily think of Daytona as a fuel saving race. Um but I, I thought the on-track, you know, product was was really really good. Um, I like Kevin Harvick in in the booth. I think he tames Clint Boyer down. I think he brings um, a nice level of knowledge to the booth that was frankly missing with Clint Boyer. Um, not to insult Clint Boyer's intelligence, I'm just saying, <laughs> like oh, Harvick has a strategy that's that's better. Um, I will also commend NASCAR on moving the race up early on Sunday. Like they called it at like 930 in the morning and said, nope, we're postponing this thing. So you didn't keep everybody waiting. And then like an hour before lineup locked, you move it like nice job. You all have been <laughs> on moving things, um, moved Xfinity pretty quickly, moved Arca pretty quickly. So all in all, I enjoyed the rate. Look, it's Daytona 500. There's very little that could keep me from watching it. Um, you know, it, it was a little team. There was also less single file this year. I was actually surprised by that, and that'll be something we talk about when we preview the upcoming race. But yeah. I was actually really surprised that either in Stage 2 or early in Stage 3 that there just was not one long single file run. And it was refreshing. It, it, it kind of got there a little bit, but it was only like a handful of laps. Yeah, and even then there was still a pseudo line, like either on the bottom, like you know. Also, the line was not directly on the yellow line this year. Like they were, they were up the track, close to the, like in the top two grooves. So, all in all, I, th I thought that was one of the better uh, races uh, we've seen in this next gen car with the non restrictor plate restrictor plate package. And I thoroughly enjoyed the new the new body styles on the cars. Those that made pushing really really fun to watch for a lot of the yeah. for a lot of the drivers. Well, uh, for this week we head to Atlanta, and uh, it's uh, since the new track configuration, we are essentially getting drafting at a mile and a half. It's not a full blown, you know, uh, carbon copy. I guess you could say of uh, or it it just doesn't mirror Daytona and Talladega. Um, but there are certain aspects that we will see. It's, it's, it's a race where, you know, we get more laps. Uh, there is a little more emphasis on getting the dominator and I'm pretty sure we're more likely to see a long single file run in Atlanta 
this weekend. And so if you can nail that dominator, by all means, go for it. Uh, we've seen two pole sitters win here with uh, a hefty amount of laps led. So by all means, I know we normally fade the pole sitter and a lot of the guys starting up high at Daytona, but the, for Atlanta, yes, they'll be drafting around a mile and a half track, but at the same time, I'm more than happy to go with the pole sitter in my lineups. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it is the drafting package. Right, they redesigned Atlanta to specifically make it a super speedway type uh, race. The first couple here were bonkers, uh, but there was some weather involved, like it got a little wet uh, in one of them, and people didn't really know what to expect with a drafting package on an intermediate track with the new steep banks in Atlanta, and then it's also narrower too, like significantly yeah. narrower, fourteen feet more narrow. Yeah. Well, I, it's it's 14 feet because old Atlanta, I think, was like 54 feet wide, and now it's just 40 feet wide. Yeah, which is significantly narrower than, A, Atlanta used to be when it was just an intermediate, uh, you know, standard, you know, same package as like Kansas. Um, but it's also way narrower than Daytona and Talladega, so it's harder to build the multi – like you're not going to see three wide at Atlanta. It's just not going to happen. Um so we will share uh, some interesting facts with you here coming up that uh, Dan got from one of our colleagues. Uh, pretty interesting stats that prove just how different Atlanta is than your standard, uh, you know, stack the back strategy at Daytona or Talladega. Just because we're saying it's a plate track doesn't mean you want to stack the back. In fact, it's pretty well the opposite, isn't that right there, Dan? Yeah. Um, uh a lot of times in cash games for Daytona and Talladega, you're going to want to just strictly stack the back and that might hold true this week, but also I would actually be perfectly fine if I was playing cash games this weekend to play the pole sitter. Um, Ryan Stevens of win the race. Uh, I'm not going to share the whole stat simply because uh, it, it was published in another form that is behind the paywall. Uh, but he basically broke down in tears uh the chances that certain starting positions are optimal. And so we broke it down, you know, P1 through 10, 11 through 20, 21 through 30, and 31 through 37, pretty much what we would consider stacking the back. And surprisingly, <clears throat> across the four races on DraftKings scoring, which is, you know, six drivers in a lineup, four races, it's 24 total drivers that have made the optimal lineup. Drivers starting P31 or worse only represented three of the 24 uh, drivers that made the optimal lineup. So, you know, the 87.5% are starting inside the top 30. And even among that, the, the optimal distribution amongst where drivers were starting between, you know, the three tiers of P1 to 10, 11 to 20, and 21 to 30, it was still fairly balanced, it seemed. And so I thought that was a great nugget that Ryan, who, uh, <clears throat> if you don't follow him on Twitter, definitely please uh, do. Uh, he's at win the race P1, I think. Uh, I'll look that up and correct it. But, you know, good stuff from him because it really just shows that we don't need to just go with conventional wisdom and apply the same lineup construction thoughts to uh, Atlanta as we do with Talladega and Daytona. You can still take some risks for certain. Um, there's, there's one driver that I'll probably get some crap on because I really like him this week. Um, but ultimately, like, don't don't just handcuff yourself to maybe only going with two guys starting in the top twenty, and then trying to load up on position differential. The, this may be a little more tame, and we could see just typically the better cars just find their way to the front. Yeah, correct. There's certainly gonna, there's there's less chaos here typically than we bank on with 
Daytona and Talladega. Um, looking at, you know, some quick um, averages over the last four Atlanta races. The reason why we're only going with four is because it was redone four races ago. So everything prior to that does not matter. A, it was a really old tire wear surface. Uh, it was not nearly as steep. It was wider. It was not a plate style race. Like, it just does not compare. So we're only going to look at the last four races. Um, you know, of that, you have three guys that have led an average of 40.8 or more laps a race. You don't see that at other plate tracks, right? So we are definitely targeting laps led this week. We are definitely targeting, um, you know, fastest laps tend to go with the lap, you know, laps led uh, leaders here. Typically, I mean, there are some wonky numbers um, out of guys who have only raced one of the last four races. Um, and you can certainly get guys who are off cycle that just go for fastest laps like we've seen previously. But generally speaking, the guys who are leading um, the most laps are getting a decent amount of fastest laps a race too. So we are kind of balancing our builds here between pure restrictor plate builds and pure intermediate mile and a half laps led sell out for the guy starting towards the front because not a lot of passing happens further back right so it's a, it's a fine line we got to draw this week are you still okay uh stacking teammates manufacturers thing like that things like that because we were discussing a, a build before we even started recording them and i'm sure we'll allude <clears throat> to it it was essentially five chevys and bubble wallace are you Correct. still okay? Yeah, like, I, I just happened to to put in the guys that I like this week based okay. on you know you, you don't want to base everything off of how they did previously because each race is independent. Just because a guy did well here previously doesn't mean he will do well again or won't you know or the opposite is true. Like for example, last week William Byron hit like yet to record a top ten at Daytona and then hauls off and wins the Daytona five hundred. Right? Granted, close. Depended on when the caution came out and if a caution came out, whatnot. But again, you're talking about a guy who's barely finished a race and then they go and win it. So um, building off of dudes who I liked, yeah, I, I happen to wind up with five Chevys and Toyota. Um, I may tinker with this one. I may put it in as one of multiples that I'm building. I haven't fully decided. But yeah, I, I think we can stack... Um, some teammates, some manufacturers together. We're not going full stacks like we did last week. But, you know, this week I'm kind of going back to if you did well here and you're good at, like, intermediates, I tend to give you, you know, higher ranking this week uh, regardless of manufacturer. So why don't we start with William Byron, winner of the Daytona 500, uh, Typically, when we get to the second race of the year, I think in previous years it was it was Auto Club, um, but we we have discussed you know the Daytona 500 hangover for the winner, and this time the race was on a Monday. Um, but Byron's arguably the best driver to have won it in recent memory. That being said, in the four races at Atlanta since the new configuration, he's won twice, yes. led 172 laps across those four races. But in the two races he did not win, he wrecked. Yeah, um, he's kind of got Byron, a Kyle Larson model at Texas, right? 
Checkers or Wreckers? Yeah, a little bit. Um, and in fairness, he only led, uh, I think, 20 laps the last time he won. I think he won here uh, last July. or One last July leading 20. When he won right. this race two years ago, he led 111 laps. Right. So that was a pretty long um, single file run. He was out in front uh, for that one. So he's he's... Quite good here, obviously, winning half of the races in the new configuration. He's coming off of a big win. I am less concerned with the Daytona 500 hangover this time for a couple of reasons. One, you brought it up. He is the best-known driver to win the Daytona 500 in recent memory. So Probably he's quite, uh, Yeah. So he's quite used to, you know, the media attention and whatnot. The other reason... They're not going all the way across country the following That's race. Good point. They're going like six hours up the road, right? They're going to your neck of the woods. So, um, I mean, hell, you drove from Atlanta to Daytona when we went to the Daytona race. So, yeah, it's not right. like it's, you know, and there's, and I mean, Atlanta's absolutely closer to Charlotte, which is home base. So, it's not like they're, they got to deal with jet lag and flights and, and whatnot so i'm less concerned with that i do like the speed that he showed in that car the handling clearly because he almost got wrecked started the big one and then saved it and then was fine um so he's definitely in play i also think the pricing on him is soft on DraftKings. he's only 10k um which is a bit confusing um I I mean I get I know that it's a huge jump. He was eighty seven hundred last week at Daytona, but you've got a guy who's a two time winner of this race, and there are he's only fourth most expensive on the board. So that's that's a little confusing for me. How do you feel about uh, Team Penske? Um, and I guess this kind of lumps in the Fords because we we weren't fading the Fords, but there was some concern regarding. Uh, possibly some fall off in the draft uh, with the Fords as the Daytona 500 would wear on. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, <clears throat> you know, we're talking about drivers like Joey Logano, who has won Atlanta from the pole, uh, Ryan Blaney, who, won, who is a phenomenal drafter and a good, you know, plate racer. And he won Talladega last year. Austin Sindrick is a previous Daytona 500 winner. You know, we're talking about even the teams that have a technical alliance with team Penske, such as, uh, uh, Wood Brothers Racing and Harrison Burton front row with McDowell and Todd Gilliland and Todd Gilliland looked really solid uh, in Monday's race for the Daytona 500. So, you know, it, I guess that we can just kind of encumber like these six drivers as, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> one alliance, you know, are we feeling okay about the Fords at a pseudo style drafting track? Yeah, I think so. Look, it, you know, it shouldn't go unnoticed that, who was in the front of the pack when the big one happened, which, by the way, was with 10 laps to go? It was Logano, who was on the pole at Daytona, who was still up front. It was obviously Chastain was leading and narrowly got, you know, avoided being taken out by Kozlowski, also a Ford. Uh, you had Ryan Blaney, who had moved up in a backup car all the way to the front and was right there like an old Penske trio, except one of them didn't fit, right? Austin Sindrick was the guy who wrecked out that brought out the caution that gave Byron the win. So, um, you know, they look aside from Michael McDowell's electrical 
issue or whatever it was that kept him from getting to, I think, fifth gear. Um, I thought the Fords looked reasonably good. I thought they looked better than I was going to give them credit for. Um, were they distinctly more dominant than the Chevys? No, I think the Chevys as a whole were more dominant than they were at Daytona. Um, I think Toyota generally looked faster, maybe not as consistently, but generally looked faster than the Ford. So I, I have no concerns about about that. Now, it is a longer race, but it's also more single file, which takes less of a toll on handling. Now, uh, we don't have practice this week, right? Correct. No, because um, NASCAR treats it like a plate race, and so there's no there's qualifying on Saturday, and then they're going to go on Sunday. So pretty much, um, I understand getting practice in for the Daytona 500. Um, <clears throat> is there any concern about maybe like some teams just maybe not rolling off with the right setup, or do we kind of just – because I know with Daytona, like the playing field's level, and no one wants to risk wrecking their car in practice. Do you think that maybe this is a track where they probably should get practice in and – you know, just get, I guess, reacquainted with drafting on an intermediate or, or do you kind of agree with NASCAR's point? Like just show up with the cars and just get them on track for qualifying and then we'll race on Sunday. I tend to look, I like as much information as I can possibly get my hands on when I'm you know, making bets, telling people who to play, who, you know, I want to see as many cars on track for as long as possible before I have to go and tell you, hey, this guy looks great or this guy doesn't. Obviously, can things change? Sure. Um, but I also get that, you know, in the past, in these plate practices, not a lot of teams have done it because you're not going to go out as a single car because it doesn't matter. And as soon as you get into a pack, it ups the risk of wrecking your car uh, tremendously. So I, I, I get both sides of the coin. Um, it is what it is. There's no, look, NASCAR doesn't listen to me, clearly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I do think in general, getting more practice is, is better uh, all the way around. Well, uh, we've touched on William Byron. We've touched on some Penske's. Are there any other drivers in the top tier that you kind of have intrigue with, or that you maybe want to touch on? I mean, it's a drafting what you, track. And what yet, are you doing with What are you doing with Denny? Probably boils down to where he starts, um, right? Because he's ten five. So you either need him to start pretty far back and give you the option of getting. PD and that's down. the thing is that. Or you need him to start where he did for Daytona and then jump to the front and lead laps because he's not going to drop to the back this time. Like, yeah. Um, In the four races since the new configuration, he's led 17 laps. He has one top 10, and that came a year ago in this race. Um, I'll never doubt his his drafting prowess by any means, um, <clears throat> but ultimately it's, it's going to come down to where he starts. I don't look, necessarily look at him for this track and this configuration and at 10, five doesn't really do much for me. Um, there are obviously guys that I can go down and, and just look at, you know, how they've looked at in this race uh, the last two years. Um, and look, if, if Denny starts outside the top 10, sure. I'm going to have interest. Well, um, so let me, most, let me spice this up for you. Where do you think he's started in those four races? 
Well, I have it up, so it's not like you're uh, – he started like around P15. Yeah, he started 15th, 16th, 14th, and 14th. So the man is consistent at where he's going to start. So starting outside the top 10 doesn't really buy us anything given what he's previously done. Now, again, going back to the earlier point, does that mean that if he starts 14th that he's automatically – not in contention to win or get a top five. No. Um, but on a track without practice, you kind of got to lean a little bit more on what they've previously done, um, which does concern me. So I, I think you and I are on the same page here. The 10-5, especially on DK. When you have guys like Logano and Blaney and Byron and Chase Elliott, who's won this race, and Kyle Busch, who looked remarkably fast um, at Daytona. Like, I really like Ross all, Chastain. Yeah, Chastain too. <laughs> like, um, yeah. I mean, you can fit Chastain with any of the guys I just listed because Chastain is, in my opinion, underpriced at 8600 Yeah, and we – I mean, he was – kind of forget forgettable in these races last year the two at, at atlanta uh last march he started p18 finished 13th uh in last summer he didn't even finish the race but in 2022 at both races he was the runner-up in both of them and in those races he led 32 laps and 42 laps um i liked how suarez until he wrecked looked and same can be said for chastain i thought um their ability to move up and draft and just you know, get to the front. I thought that was solid uh, uh, in Monday's race, and I hope that can translate. I know that there's always going to be risk with with Daniel Suarez, but you know, yeah, but here <clears> really, I really like Ross Chastain this week. In the four races in Atlanta, Suarez has put up fourth, sixth, 29th, and second. Yeah, for finishes. So, you know, the yes, the 29th is skewing him to a ten point three average finish but three finishes inside the top six i'm not sure anybody else aside from you know maybe william byron can boast that do you have any concerns about like the cooler weather or not really just Um, this isn't an intermediate where it would probably help with you know downforce a little bit more but at the same time like it's it's a draft like i'm not trying to think about it too much yeah, I. If it was like a chilly Kansas, I think it would definitely change the, the way the race would happen. But yeah. you know, I mean, I guess it, from know, a weather perspective, I guess we're just thankful that it's not raining. Correct. Yeah, let's keep hoping that doesn't show up because it's not been a good run for NASCAR with weather. Uh, any interest in Eric Jones? I have a ton of interest in Eric Jones. <clears throat> He's gained at least nine spots of position differential in all four Atlanta races since the reconfiguration. Yeah, sounds sounds about so right. So two years ago, me. two years ago he started twenty third, finished fourteenth. In the summer of twenty twenty two, he started P twenty five, finished fourth. Uh, a year ago in this race, I believe he started P twenty eight, gained twenty spots, finished eighth. And then in the summer, he started P twenty five and he finished eleventh. That's just solid. Yeah. I mean, it, look, I don't want to keep saying that I like Eric Jones, but there's a reason why we keep playing the guy. 
Yeah. Because in certain <clears throat> in certain tracks, he just shows up and does what he needs to do to make him valuable in DFS, and this is another one of those. He certainly showed up last week, too. Yeah. Yes, he did. He finished, uh, what, eighth? Uh, he got a top ten. I just can't remember where exactly he finished. But, yeah, yeah he, he started eighth. 11th and eighth. Um, yeah, was that the actual eighth or is that the adjusted eighth because they, they <laughs> shuffled the – I mean, his teammate finished seventh right in front of him. Do you see one of the books paid out before they bumped a guy from fifth to sixth? That is so dumb. So people paid out – well, no, but people bet him for a top five. It paid out, <clears throat> and then it adjusted after the book had paid out. So it paid out the top five for a P6 finish. <laughs> That's actually awesome, then, at least. Which is better than what FanDuel did, which is void everybody's freaking bets. Horrible. I can't believe we haven't even spoken about, talked about that yet, but my God. And then and other- bonus money. Yeah. <laughs> it's just awful. Just, it's, uh... and not to mention, like they're the official sportsbook partner of NASCAR, I think. And yes, yes, they are. As of Wednesday afternoon, we're recording this uh, Thursday night, right. but I, I believe like twenty four hours ago, Wednesday night, they didn't have odds up. Um, as of according to, I'm going to say Action Network's um, odds page because they show multiple books. They are not showing FanDuel odds for outright winners. Jesus. Yeah, I don't know cool. if it's if they're not sure. Like, I don't know if that's a live feed or not. <clears throat> I believe that it is, but if Fanduel has yet to put up, because not only did they void the bets, they took the bet lines down and then they put them up with worse. Yeah. So like people had, um, like McDowell at 40 to one earlier in the week. And then you couldn't get them anywhere close to that when they put the odds back up and they had C bell at 26 to one. And then they put them back up at 14 to one, which obviously didn't matter because he didn't wind up winning. Um, but yeah, the 24 hour rule is stupid. Like the green flag was going to drop at three eleven PM Eastern on Sunday. Right, that was the scheduled, the original scheduled green flag time. Had NASCAR come out and said, "We're moving this race to 3:10 p.m. Eastern Monday," you're telling me the bets would have stood. But if they dropped the green flag at 3:12 p.m. Eastern on Monday, that the bets go away. Stop. Like, I know it's an exaggerated case, but still, like, it, yeah, like. I mean, we're a little late to the to the party, but yeah, like, yeah, I think I, we're all I in agreement with, with everybody else in the industry that it was just a terrible move. It was just un, it was just unbelievable. Like, I, um, but we got a few minutes left. I'm not sure uh, how you want to break it down. Whether you want to discuss how uh, unnecessarily popular Corey LaJoy might be for this race, or if you want to touch on a guy you like this week that you probably shouldn't. Mine's Daniel Hemrick. Uh, I guess I think you got a pros covered on that one. I think that's <laughs> I think that's enough. Shouldn't like this guy for one for the two of us. Well, look, he you know he's gonna probably go out and well, actually no, because if they are going on it the qualifying order is determined by the point standings, right? I believe so. I can check with Mr. Bob Pockers, the king of um, So he's probably middle of the pack since he finished 16th last week. But either way, 
I don't really count on Hemrick laying down a great qualifying lap, so I'm expecting him to offer some position differential. We saw him last week uh, start P37. He finished 16th. Sure, he avoided some carnage. Uh, but, you know, in last year's Xfinity Series races with Colleg Racing, he started P11 in the March and July race, finished second in both races, got a top five the year before in July of 2022. So not saying he's going to win it. I'm just saying that this might be the last race for a while that we entertain playing Daniel Hemrick. Yeah, that's probably true because he's okay. <laughs> he's going to be relegated to like the races where anything can happen is yeah. where you're going to feel most comfortable playing Hemrick. I feel like um, it's just a it's I, I don't know. I still think he's trying to get his hands around what exactly to do in a cup car. To be honest, no, I get it. Like he's made over what like 280 career starts, and he has one career win, and it was. Very fluky to claim an Xfinity Series champion. Yeah, exactly. He made a phenomenal pass in the last corner on the last lap to win it, and that was it was awesome to see. But like, that's his only win. It's the same reason Cole Custer is no longer in the Cup Series because he made one good pass at a track that's no longer on the schedule. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any um, final thoughts before we go, Matt? Yeah, we can touch on some lines that I like, I guess. Byron's going off to win at plus 1,300 is the best odds you'll find there. That's at uh, BetMGM. Um, Bubba Wallace to win at plus 2,200 seems like a pretty good line to me. Um, that's about where he was for Daytona. He finished top five um, there. This is a similar... Uh, track. He's not had the best luck at Atlanta, but again, these are kind of, you know, a few of those races were kind of marred by some slick conditions. Didn't Kurt Busch wreck out uh, on a restart in the, fir in the first one? I think that was on the old configuration. Was that on the old configuration? Because Kurt Busch won <clears throat> when they went back to Atlanta the first year, I'm pretty sure he wrecked out. Um, there was an Atlanta race where he was literally wrecked by his brother on the start after, like, at the beginning of, like, stage two, I want to say. Yeah. Maybe it was the old configuration. Um, but yeah, he won the – Kurt Busch won the last Atlanta race. Correct. On the old the last one on the old yeah. one. Yes. Yes. Correct. Um. I don't know that I would take Eric Jones at plus 2,800 to win. That seems a little steep. I might take Daniel Suarez at plus 3,500, though. Dude has three top six finishes in four races here. What's he going off for top five? Any chance we get a decent line on him for top five? Plus 475 at Bet Rivers, plus 450 on DK for a top five. That's pretty nice. Well, Matt, uh, as always, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we will be in the Discord this weekend. I will try and be in there on Saturday. I am going to the doubleheader for the truck and Xfinity Series. I'm kind of up in the air if I'm going to go to the Cup Series race. Uh, I probably will just because I don't want to go sit in the heat when this when NASCAR comes back around in September for the playoffs. But, uh, Matt, 
Uh, best of luck to you. I'll see you in the Discord this weekend, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.